Um, you know what? I think I've just really enjoyed being with my kids. Uh, I think that has been the biggest blessing. I always say the number one value of homeschooling is the relationships that you build with your family. And if you're missing that, you're, you're missing the main point. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Now let's hear from podcast sponsor and Sloan family favorite, Mr. D himself from Mr. D Math. Does your child love math, surpassing your ability to teach them? Or maybe you have a child struggling in math and you're looking for a solution that will help them finally get it. You want your teen to understand, love, and enjoy their math curriculum. Is that too much to ask? At Mr. D Math, we've got you covered. Many times a young person says they hate math simply because it hasn't been explained in a way that makes sense to them. At Mr. D Math, our teachers are dedicated to providing accessible support, instructing with clarity, and making math fun. We work with students from around the world, helping connect educational concepts to their everyday lives and exposing them to endless possibilities and potential for their futures. Head to MrDMath.com to check out our live and self-paced course options for math, life skills, test prep, and more. We even have courses to get your child ready for high school math or help them catch up or get ahead in a semester or less. Go to MrDMath.com or click the link in the show notes to see how Mr. D Math can bring clarity and joy to your homeschool. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by Amber Smith. Amber and her chef husband of 26 years raised 10 wild children in Southern Iowa. Her desire to help homeschool parents avoid burnout and build their best life with strong relationships led her to start blogging at 200 Fingers and Toes. And that is where you can find her latest articles, product reviews, new in-due season homeschool podcast episodes. As a second-generation homeschool grad with a public school background, Amber understands the experience of transitioning a family to homeschool living. Amber serves the homeschool community as a freelance writer, reviewing and contributing to popular homeschool blogs and magazines, sharing tips and tools used in their homeschool over the last 18 years. Wherever she speaks, Amber offers practical examples to equip your homeschool Define your goals, dream bigger, and build relationships that are vibrant and active. Amber, I'm so glad to get to chat with you today. No, it's a pleasure to speak with you as well. One of my favorite past podcast guests actually recommended you to me, Gina Muncie. So I'm sure if Gina recommended you, that it will be a wonderful episode and I can't wait to get started. So here at the beginning, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and how you guys got started homeschooling? Yeah, actually, um, I am a second generation homeschooler. And so um, homeschooling was kind of always something I wanted to do, um, but a little bit less traditional uh, desire 
for why. Um, actually, I was a terrible public school student. And so I was in a gifted and talented program. And I was in that program for about three years. And so I got to see um, a completely independent and different way of teaching. And then I went back to regular public school when we moved to Michigan. And so um, seeing the difference between the two, and then also just my nature did not fit the public school program. And so um, I tell people I was actually involuntarily homeschooled. Uh, my last two years of high school, I completely failed out of high school and took my ninth grade education and went to community college and actually made Dean's List uh, in college. And so it wasn't really uh, clicked with me until after I had made Dean's List that I was actually a really intelligent person. I just was not in the right environment to learn. And when we had kids, I thought, you know what, I'm going to have kids that learn like I do and who respond to the world around them like I do and uh, respond to the social pressures and all of the other things that come along with school. And I just wanted to give them the opportunity to make learning the most important thing in the beginning of their learning career and then worry about all the other things. I always tell my kids, I want them to know who they are before other people start telling them who they are. And so that was really where my desire to homeschool came from, was from my own personal experience in public school. And then, you know, we've kind of found our own way along the road because being a second generation homeschooler, like I said, uh, I wasn't really a part of our home homeschooling program. I was the last of seven kids to be brought into homeschooling. And so um, I didn't really have a hands-on homeschool experience. I went straight to community college and took classes at 16. And so uh, I did have the opportunity to maybe look at things differently and see that you could learn outside of the box. So I think I brought that from my original experience into the homeschool experience that we have now. I love talking to other second generational homeschoolers. I, I am one myself, and I think all of us had such a different experience. There were different reasons our parents chose to homeschool or different reasons why we connected there and why we've then chosen to homeschool our own children. And so I love hearing how your own experience um, in public school actually kind of affected the way you thought about homeschooling now. So can you tell me a little bit about how your approach to home education has grown and changed over the years? I'm sure with 10 children, and as you started homeschooling, it, you've probably grown and shifted a little bit over time. We really have. Uh, one thing I knew was reading was an area that it was a weakness for me in public school. Um, when I got older, I had a couple opportunities to do some programs where I needed to read things out loud on the spot. And I realized that uh, that terrified me. And so I wanted a place to practice reading out loud. And so I started reading um, in a children's reading program because I thought, you know, if I need to practice, four and five-year-olds are not going to laugh at me. And so I did the children's story hour at Barnes & Noble. And I thought that is just a great place for me to practice public speaking and practice reading. So when I had my own herd of children, because we had 10 children in 12 years, and so I had a whole bunch of little people. Uh, so nap time and bedtime were huge reading times for our family. And that was just a way to wind down. It was a way to get the little ones to lay down, but also I really wanted my kids to love to read and just to see that as a really valuable part of their time and experience. Um, but one of the things I did was I knew I would not read if I was bored. And so I did not always read picture books and I did not always read children's books to my children. So we have a family who my seven-year-old's favorite book was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And 
actually he he thought Moby Dick was hilarious. And so um, we just had a weird eclectic mix because I missed the classics in high school. So I thought, you know what, if I'm going to sit here for two hours and read to older kids and then little ones as they fell asleep, I want to read books that I like. And so that kind of started this love for reading. So when we hit the time where we started school, I thought I want to keep doing exactly what we're doing. I want to read in the morning. I want to read at nap time and I want to read at bedtime and I want to be able to just call that school. So I really searched for a curriculum that fit the habit we had already developed and the things that we already loved doing. So when I started looking through catalogs and talking to friends, um, I found a curriculum that was solely literature book based and the majority of the school was just taught through reading and i knew that one thing was i could combine multiple ages of children for a long period of time by reading one subject to the group because i had already been doing it for years and so that really helped me know that okay then i wasn't going to have this huge workload even though i had a bunch of grades between all of my children i was not going to have to be chased back and forth between a bunch of things so for myself um, finding a curriculum that met the rhythm of our lives and met the habits we had already created was really really important to me and so i think that really helped me choose uh, the curriculum that fit us best and so actually we stayed with the same curriculum through our entire high school program. So I've been homeschooling for 17 years with that specific curriculum and I love and adore it. But I tell people, you have to find what fits you. And so um, I'm not a huge person to be like, this is the one thing. And I laugh because the lady who introduced me to the topic or the, um, the curriculum that I'm using now, the year I checked back with her, she said, oh, I, I don't like it anymore. I stopped using it. So I was like, oh, how funny that one thing we can love, somebody else can just not like at all. And so it's a matter of you know knowing what kinds of things you're looking for and then finding the right fit. And for myself, I obviously found the right fit because we have stayed with it this whole time. Um, but you did ask like how we've transitioned and changed throughout time. And so actually this last school year, I have three high schoolers that are a little bit less enthusiastic about reading than my first two groups of children. And so um, I actually made the transition to a similar curriculum, but one that has a little bit less independent reading books. So um, I yielded and they are actually in textbooks this year. And that was a huge change for me um, because I have like textbook anxiety, but I could identify that, hey, you know what? This group of kids needed something different so that they could systematically go through the book and feel like they covered everything in order. And so um, I have been really good about watching my kids for clues about what's working what's not working and being willing to make the change when we needed to so like i said last year even though i loved my curriculum i knew that we needed to make some tweaks to fit them better and so we did uh make a change to add more textbooks for them so so yeah being flexible is good and keeping an eye on the cues of your kids and getting their input i think is really really valuable i i heard a few things there that i thought were just really encouraging and applicable to really any homeschool family First, at the very beginning, you sort of started with mom's enthusiasm, right? Like you were sitting, you knew you wanted to read, but you knew you weren't going to be motivated to read books that you weren't interested in. And so you took this desire you had to read the classics you had missed out on, and you shared that love and enthusiasm with your kids. And then that flowed into, you knew who you were and who your family culture was. And so that really gave you some direction as you were picking the curriculum. 
And then you weren't so bound up with your curriculum that you couldn't make a change later on when it was better for the actual real children sitting at your table. So I love that. Are there any ways that you see your experience? I know that you, you were in public school and then you had that sort of um, community college experience and homeschooling there at the end of high school. Do you, do you see that second generation experience playing into the decisions you make or the things, either the things you do or the things you avoid with your own children? Yeah, no, I think that really helped me be a lot more compassionate about the growth and the changes that happen as children are finding their own independence. I know that was a lot of the areas that I struggled with was giving um, myself some room to make choices for myself in my school. And so for my kids, I have been maybe a lot more flexible about allowing them input into what they're doing um, and also understanding where they're coming from. And so I think, you know, my experience as failing out of public school helped me maybe have an eye out earlier for the signs that somebody's having a problem mm -hmm. and also be able to make those changes uh, without, like you said, being so hard set that this is the curriculum or this is the way it's going to go this year, but being able to see where somebody's struggling and just make some changes and maybe put things aside. Um, and it's also helped me be, um, a little bit more flexible to see what kinds of things the kids are interested in and add those to our school to, again, empower them with some enthusiasm towards their school day. I know for myself, that was a big failure in high school because I had nothing I felt like to look forward to in my school day. And so I have tried really hard to always have something attached to our school or our school time that the kids can be enthusiastic about and look forward to as part of their school day. Oh, that's a great tip. Well, I feel like you've already mentioned some things that you've loved about homeschooling. Is there anything that's a particular favorite part of homeschooling for you, though? Um, you know what? I think I've just really enjoyed being with my kids. Uh, I think that has been the biggest blessing. I always say the number one value of homeschooling is the relationships that you build with your family. And if you're missing that, you're, you're missing the main point. And so we can have lots of academic um, goals and we can have lots of academic uh, road markers that we want to hit. But if we are missing relationships, then, then you're missing the best part of homeschooling. And I see that now I have adult kids and they will not leave. They, they just keep showing up like every weekend here they are and they keep coming back. And, um, and it's just a sign that, you know what, we've built a culture here and we've built relationships that are long lasting. And that's really a testimony to what homeschooling can do when you, you know, work as a family and take into account all of the individual people involved. And so I think building family culture is one of the best things about homeschooling. I will say, and I made a note, um, making room for dad was one of the biggest reasons why I was motivated to homeschool as well. Um, we are entrepreneurs. We have been restaurant owners for almost 30 years. And so uh, restaurant owners have a huge divorce rate. And, um, and owning a business like that that is all consuming is just, it's just hard on a family. And so the beauty of homeschooling was we did not have to get kids up at six and put them on the bus at 6.30 or seven in the morning because we're rural. And so they would have been on first thing in the morning and back at four. Um, sometimes dad didn't get home until 11 o'clock at night. And we had the opportunity to stay up and stay up and hang out with dad. And that was just one of the things. Sometimes I would pack all the kids up at nine o'clock at night and drive over to the restaurant and have, you know, snacks and dinner and color in our workbooks and just hang out for an hour while he closed down the restaurant. And those are the, some of the times that 
I had to be really intentional about creating. And sometimes they weren't always my favorite thing to do, but being intentional about including dad and making time for him to be a part of the kids growing up um, has been a huge, huge benefit. And here we are, you know, 26 years married. And I think that was one of the things is that um, homeschooling gave us the opportunity to be way more flexible in our whole life and just incorporate home, family, homeschool, and work all together a lot better. That is such a beautiful story and encouragement, I think, because it is it is the beauty of homeschooling that it's not these separate compartments where we have our school and our work and our family and our church and our life as if those are all separate little things, but it can really all flow organically together. And it's in fact, it's most healthy and beneficial when we can find ways for it to organically all flow together and be flexible. So... Well, how about some of the challenges of homeschooling? I'm sure there have been some challenges over the years. What have those been and how have you sought to overcome them? For sure. Well, you know, I think one of the biggest things is that being restaurant owners, um, we always have demands on our day. And so for myself, um, that means I'm getting a phone call in the middle of school and says, hey, like, can you run upstairs and find this receipt and go take care of this item? And so two of my biggest challenges, one has been um, setting the standard of what is my school time and being very, very clear to everybody about what that is um, and having really good boundaries about our homeschool, because I think people can take for granted because you're home, you're available. And just because you're home does not mean you're available. You need to set really strong boundaries around your time and let everybody you know, know what those hours are. Um, I now work independently outside home and I have a job. And so I'm very clear about my office hours for that job. Um, I work Tuesdays and Thursdays and I'm available from four until six. And so I have a very window when people meet with me, I'm available these two windows and that's all I have. And so with my homeschool, my kids know 10 to two is our school hours, 10 to two. There's no excuses. There's no other thing happening. There are no phone calls. There are no games. 10 to two. If you work for me from 10 to two, you're free and you can do whatever you want. And so I think setting that really clear expectation for the kids and for the people in our lives has been really helpful to just not frustrate us and not distract us because it's very easy to get distracted. And so I try to set up as many outside ways to keep myself from getting distracted um, so that I don't ruin our homeschool. Um, I have a talk that's called, if, if things aren't working, it's probably me. And so um, I have learned over the years that usually if my homeschool is not going well and if things are falling apart, it's almost always me first. And so um, I have just learned to be really intentional about having a plan for our day and being concrete about our time. So that that is my one thing. Friends, you know how much we adore podcast sponsor Clap for Classics in our homeschool. Each week, Isaac and often Grace too joins Miss Elizabeth for a live online music class filled with rhythm and rhyme, classical music and folk songs, nursery rhymes and dancing, and more. 
The kids love the fun Clap for Classics musical activities each week, and I love that they're receiving exceptional early music education right in my living room with our Clap for Classics membership, with no extra effort required of me. Because you know how it is as a homeschool mama, there are so many things we want our children to experience, but it can feel overwhelming to wear so many hats, and sometimes we want them to be exposed to an area, like maybe music, that we just don't know that much about. Clap for Classics makes music easy, fun, and educational. Check out all the courses Clap for Classics offers at the link in the show notes and use code HUMILITY20 for 20% off your purchase. And for musical fun on the go, find the Clap for Classics podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then my second thing is just setting up an expectation for everyone. So everybody knows what's expected, especially when I went um, and started working part-time two years ago, uh, I thought everything was going to go great because we had been homeschooling for like 16 years. And so the kids were just going to stay in this routine that we had built and we had, and we'd established. And so I imagined in my mind that if I was gone one day a week and part-time another day, they would just follow the routine. And it was like a hot disaster <laughs> for like four months. It was a mess. And so, um, but I realized, hey, you know what? I did not do a really good job of creating really clear expectations for everyone. And so we just stepped back and we created like a checkout list of what was expected every day from every student to be done. And we literally like wrote it out like a checklist. So like, here's every item you need to do. And then we created a very clear exit goal. So like on Friday, all of these things need to be done. We down to like, this is where it's turned in at because oftentimes they'd be like, I gave it to you. Well, when I'm busy, you cannot like my kids know, do not hand me anything. I am a black hole for items. Like do not tell me to keep this safe because I will put it down somewhere in the house because I'm very distracted. And so, um, so we just created like a turn in box. So if it was in the right place and everything is done on Friday, you can go do what you want to do. And so having those really clear expectations helped my kids be successful um, without me hounding them and without me being frustrated. Uh, so that really helped us uh, get ourselves on track as well. So yeah, those are the two things that really helped us have a successful homeschool environment recently. Yeah. Being just purposeful, defining like what does done look like? Cause I can, I know I can tell a child like, well, have you finished your work for the day? And they'll be like, oh yeah, mom, I did. I finished. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, and then I'll, I'll be like, well, did you do that? I don't remember seeing you do that. And I didn't hear you practice your piano. It's like, oh, well, I, I didn't do those things. It's like, okay, let's go back and review. What does finished actually mean? Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that is really, really important because I think kids, they're, they're onto the next thing so easily. And uh, we excuse ourselves when we're distracted, but when our kids are distracted, we get frustrated. And so um, one of the things that I have really tried to do is give myself grace, but also give my kids the same grace that I expect for me. And so I think that is one of the things that really has helped our family culture is that uh, if I have a bad day, and I feel like the family needs to excuse me because I've had a bad day. And I try to do the same thing for my kids. And so when they're having a hard time, maybe we'll give some grace and we'll make some changes in the day. But then also just being really clear about what to expect makes it really easy to follow through. And so I try to make things as easy as possible to do the thing that I really want them to do because I want to be happy at the end of the day. And so do they. And so we make that our goal. Yeah. Well, if we were talking to a new homeschool mom who's just getting started homeschooling, 
what would be some strategies or tips you would give her to kind of get her homeschool set up well for success here at the beginning of the school year, especially if, if she's just starting out for the first time? Yeah, I think anybody who's just starting homeschooling, start with just your required core subjects. Um, I think that is where we began. Um, I did not start and I and I did not start formal schooling with any of my children until seven. And so um, I just felt like if we read and spent time together, if we talked about life and if we just walked through the day um, communicating and connected, we were covering everything that they would have covered in an artificial school program. And so honestly, I kind of tested it with all my kids and I've gone through 10 kids and no child was showing up at age seven with a lack of knowledge or understanding because we didn't do a workbook. And so I do feel like if we just walk through life with our kids and speak and talk and connect one-on-one, -on -one, um, you are gonna cover all of the topics that somebody had to create in an artificial book to go through because a child is stuck in a classroom. And so be confident that your conversations and your interactions actually count as education. And I think that's important to validate because sometimes we're like, oh, I didn't do school today. but we walked to the park and we looked at the clouds and we talked about the water cycle and I explained the whole thing as we were going through the park. And actually we had, and this is a true story, we had the best science conversation we had all year walking through the park. You can leave that park and be like, oh my gosh, we didn't do science. Or you can leave that park and say like, wow, I, my kids have a great scope and understanding of this subject in reality as it works in the world. And so I think a lot of times we invalidate the things we do as homeschool parents because it doesn't look like school. And I think we need to give ourselves permission to say teaching should have and was at one time two people talking and interacting about the knowledge they have and translating that from one person to another. So every time you're transferring what you know to your child, you're teaching and that counts. So I want to give yourself credit however you have to do it to say like, yes, if I'm transferring knowledge from myself to my child, then that counts as school. And I think that's really, really important to establish and always to just remind yourself of and don't discount those times, because I think those are the most valuable teaching times that you can have. Um, but I think also then don't overwhelm yourself that first year, like just get down to the core things that you need to cover that's required by your state law. Um, and then you can add in other things as you grow in your schedule. So I think just give yourself time to kind of grow confident in covering the schoolwork that you have. And then you can grow out into like electives or foreign language or whatever you want to add at that point. Um, but just get a real good foundation um, and keep that relationship central to, um, to building on that as well within that first year. Yeah, I think as a new homeschool mom, people can go on the internet and they can see all these different lists of all these things that all these people are telling them they need to do, right? And so then you collate them all and you create this massive uh, assignment for yourself. Like this is what school has to look like. And you have all these worries and anxieties of, of not having done it before. And I love what you were saying, just to reframe and re like really have eyes to see the actual education that's going on every day and to not try to go out the gate and sprint and do all the amazing things. It's better to start simple and build that successful habit prioritize the relationships. And there's time to add other things on later on, but you don't have to do all of it right at the beginning. 
Yeah, no, that's very, very true. Well, how about maybe a mom who's been homeschooling for a little bit, but still here at the beginning of the school year is wanting to start the school year off well. Would there be any tips for success for that mom you would share? Yeah, actually, one of the things that helps me the most in my homeschool, and I keep going back to it, is I have what I call my mom. It's just like a homeschool binder that keeps all of my information in one place. Um, But the important things that I keep there is what is my homeschool vision? And this one surprised me, but I actually bought like a little record keeping uh, online program 10, 15 years ago, and I put it on my computer. And the first page made you put your homeschool vision to like progress through putting in your information for your student. And so I really didn't intend on having a vision for my homeschool. And it wasn't something that I really even thought about, but because I was required to put it in, I gave it some thought and I wrote up this vision about what I wanted to see established in my kids as we homeschool. Well, lo and behold, that piece of paper, every year I pull it out and I read it. And every year I'm just like, I don't know, bolstered by those words that I wrote. And I feel like if everybody could write down their intention and their goal of what they really want to see happen in their children's lives when they homeschool um, and get that in a place where you look at it on a regular basis. So get it in that binder and have it in front of you because there are days when you are just not going to feel it. And there are days when homeschooling is hard. Uh, There are days where finances is screaming at you louder than the importance that you remember about homeschooling. And you're going to vacillate and think like, ah, I could be doing X, Y, or Z. And so I think pulling out that vision and being reminded of like, no, this, this is why we made this choice. This was our intention. And, and you can also measure against your vision and say like, actually, I'm seeing these things come to fruition in our lives. So I think it's really important to get that vision in front of you. And I'm not like a big goals person. I don't do resolutions. Uh, And so it's very out of my character to have this. But every time I read it, I'm renewed in my enthusiasm and in my purpose. And so I feel like it's that important to have your vision written in front of you. So, um, and then a place where you can check in every once in a while and see, see what it was and read your own words and remind yourself. Yeah, especially on those hard days, remembering why you're doing this is really going to motivate you when you kind of look around at the mess or the cranky kid or the cranky mom and you're thinking, really, is this worth it? And so to go back to that big picture that you crafted when you were maybe less insane, (laughs) it can be really helpful. So true. Well, do you have any favorite books or podcasts that you recommend to new homeschool parents? I do. Actually, um, I really love Jen Wilkin. And so um, I feel like having some sort of devotional or some sort of thing that feeds you is really important. So I'm a huge podcast listener. Um, I am an entrepreneur mom. I'm a blogger and a writer. So most of my podcasts that I listen to are business or um, crafting or marketing. I work for our state homeschool organization and I do their marketing and social media. So um, that's my sphere of interest. And so um, I'm always feeding my own brain. And I think it's just really important to be feeding your own brain. So I love Jen. I think she's a great teacher. And so there's a podcast called Knowing Faith 
that has Jen Wilkin and two other pastors and um, and I just love the community and the uh, you know back and forth between them so that's really fun uh, and then I have other ones that I just enjoy for myself um, I use some like curriculum and so they have a podcast that I feel like if you can follow maybe the curriculum that you're using if they have um, another way to support you in using that curriculum and hearing from moms that are in the same stage that you are is really important. And so I have kind of grown through different stages and followed different bloggers and writers throughout my whole career homeschooling. And so I think to find somebody who's where you're at right now is really important. I think we have to do intentional things to help ourselves um, feel heard and to feel connected and just know like, yeah, you know what, there's other people who are going through the same experience. Uh, and then also connecting with some podcasts that have some people with their success stories. So I think podcasts like yours is great because I want to hear where people are at who maybe are a little bit ahead of me and, um, and inspire to be like, I can see the finish line through their story. So I think where you can find good stories um, of people who have gone through the hard times and are sharing their success is a great way to, I don't know, just encourage your own heart and be like, okay, no, you know what? I've got this. Like I can, I can make it through and I can see um, the future in their stories. That's one of the reasons why I love asking all of my guests at least some of the same questions, because you really start seeing how all of these families are doing things just a little bit differently. And so you can learn from other ways of doing things. And yet you also start seeing the similarities and the parallels in lives. And just to know that you're not alone. <laughs> and if there's an issue you're having in your homeschool, someone else has probably had it too. And they can come alongside you and cheer you on and, and maybe give some tips from their own struggles and victories. But I love how you you gave the idea and the suggestion of starting with studying God's word, because I think so often what we need is not necessarily this book that's going to fix all our homeschool problems, right? Like if we just found the perfect homeschool book that gave us the 10 steps to success, right? We keep looking for that. Like, that's just what I need. But a lot of times what we need is to just go back to God's word and spend time there as it is living and active and encouraging and equipping, and then to grow our own minds as moms that we're modeling for our children an adulthood of learning. You know, we say we want them to be lifelong learners, and it's really important that that's what we're showing them, that we're doing as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a huge value, and that's what I want my kids to know, and I reiterate when I'm learning things that are hard, like, yes, we will always be throwing ourselves into learning hard things. And so it doesn't end with algebra. Um, you know, like I learned how to build a website and I shared that with my kids. And so I think it's really important for us as moms to share those things that we're learning and that we're doing. If that's crafting, if that's singing, whatever things that you are using that feed your soul, um, I think it's really important to share that side of you with your kids and let them see that as well. Because I, I think the same thing, they're inspired to know like learning never ends. Like we're always going to be doing this. Yeah. It's so much bigger than just, you know, the worksheet assignment or the thing you're checking off on your list today, right? Learning is much bigger than just those 12 years in school. So here at the end, Amber, I'd like to ask you the questions I'm asking all of my guests. And the first one is just, what are you personally reading lately? Oh my goodness. I am the worst person to ask these questions. Um, I am listening to, I love Audible. I drive a truck two days a week. And so um, I have some drive time. And so I take advantage of that. And so uh, I love the greatest courses, which are um, like 
Harvard and college level courses that you can listen to the lectures online. And so um, I'm listening to one about writing nonfiction. I'm listening to one about the fall of the Roman Empire. And so I am a thousand percent a total nerd. And so uh, I'm also listening to a book called The Economic Hitman. So I'm, I'm on an economics and um, oh, consumerism kick as well. So I just get on interests and I just kind of follow that vein and mine it for as long as I'm interested. So that has been the one thing that I think I have learned through homeschooling, like when we were studying Eastern Hemisphere, I was obsessed with all things Japan and went down this long vein of reading fiction books and nonfiction books about Japanese culture. And so I think we can take a lot from our kids homeschool and we can dig deep in the things that they're learning about and it can actually spark an interest in us as well. So last year I wrote a government and economics unit study for our kids because I couldn't find a fit for a K through 12 school. Like we had a fifth grader through a senior and so it's like I want something that again everybody can read together and so um, it got me kind of sparked and interested in economics. So so here I am reading all kinds of just books that are way out of my normal interests, but that's what homeschooling will do. We'll just broaden your interests and, and drive you down some veins that maybe you never thought you were going to mine. That's right. Homeschool moms may never be the same. <laughs> no. My kids know like, oh, mom just went to the library and got a bunch of books on hold on some random topic. I may not even actually read all of them. Sometimes I just check out like 12 books and I bring them home and it's just like my comfort stack of books. And like, okay, I'll just then skim through and see the information I need or see what sparks my interest. But having that stack makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the final question, Amber, is just what would be your best tip for keeping the homeschool day running smoothly? I think the best tip, and I kind of shared a little bit about it, but I think is letting everybody know your expectations. I think that's really important in your marriage. I think that's really important with your kids. Um, if you're working, I think that's really important to guard your work time. Um, I know like when I have a live interview, I go all around the house and I tell every single person like eyeball to eyeball, like I have their full attention and I say, hey, I'm going to be in a meeting from X time to X time. I will not be available. And they know my expectation. And so they help me meet that. And I think I've really allowed my family to be on the same team that I am by letting them all know my expectations. And then they um, have a choice. And most of the time they choose to help me meet my obligations. They choose to help me meet those expectations. So I think you can help get your family on board by being really clear about what you expect. And I think also with husbands, that is so, so valuable. I think for a long time, my husband wanted to help me and I just didn't know how to incorporate him. And so um, I thought that's really dumb because I really want help. And then when he asks me how he can help me, I'm like, I don't know. And so I started looking at our curriculum and finding places where he could take over this subject or he could jump in and read this topic. And so when I created a better expectation, then he was able to meet that expectation. And so I think sometimes we just do a poor job of creating an expectation for people that then they can step in and meet those. And so I think people in your community and people in your family really want to help you be successful. And I think the best thing we can do to help all of them is by being really clear about what we want to see um, from them in our lives. 
our children and our spouses, they can't read our minds, right? So if we have these expectations and then they don't do what we think they ought to do and we're all miffed about it. Well, if we didn't tell them, they had no way of knowing what would be helpful or what would be what we were, you know, expecting of them. So yeah, use your words, just like we tell our small children. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's hard. It's hard when you, as a homeschool mom, I think we feel like we should do all the things. And so I think that's just, I think it's a nature of being uh, a mother. It's a nature of being female. It's a nature of being a stay-at-home mom that I think we just take on the responsibility for everything. And it's been a really lifelong process for me to learn to ask for help. I think some people's natures are different. I will walk through a grocery store and I would rather die than ask for help to find an item or to return something. I, I just don't. And so, um, man, this homeschooling life has been a death to myself in learning how to receive and ask for help in healthy ways. And I think the faster you can learn that, the faster you can come together and work really, really well as a family unit. That is a great encouragement. Thank you, Amber. I'm so glad that we've been able to chat today. Could you tell everyone where they can find you all around the internet? Yes. Well, I blog at 200fingersandtoes.com. 200 fingers and toes because I have 10 kids. And so I've got 200 fingers and toes uh, that I am cleaning up after and uh, helping make a difference in the world with. And so you can find me there and pretty much on all social that's 200 fingers and toes is my uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. And the blog is a great place to find anywhere that I am speaking. I've been speaking at a lot of online homeschooling conferences because um, people are new to homeschooling and they want to know more about how to get started. And so we have just been really intentional about trying to get help and information and encouragement in front of parents. And so that is just like my heart's desire is that no person ever stops homeschooling because they didn't get the help they needed. That is the worst reason to stop homeschooling. If you've met your goals, if your child wants to go back to school, those things are acceptable. But if you stop because you just didn't get the help you need, then we as a community have completely failed you. And so um, it is my heart's desire to have the people need to find the tools and the help and the resources to have a successful year there. I love that. And I will have links to those things in the show notes for this episode over at humilityanddoxology.com. Thanks so much, Amber. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's nice to talk with you. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool-conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.